Welcome back to Learn, Laugh, Leap. I am Shannon Paradis, and on this episode, I am chatting with David Motzenbecker. He's a certified forest therapy guide in Minneapolis, and we're going to talk about the unique experience of what's called Shinrin-yoku, or forest bathing. Hi, David. Hi. Now, when you hear that term forest bathing, it conjures up images of getting naked and hugging trees, but that's not quite what it is, is it? No, not quite. <laughs> it's always fun because inevitably that is the question I get a lot. And I like to say it's not donning a swimming suit and playing Marco Polo in the trees. It is a slow, intentional, and meditative walk in the woods. Simple as that. It involves an immersive experience in which you work with a guide like myself to go through a series of invitations, which are different kinds of experiences to connect you in a deeper way with the forest around you. And I found David through Minnetonka's community education courses, and I immediately signed up with a couple girlfriends, Maggie and Jen. Hi, ladies. I was very intrigued. I'd never heard of forest bathing before, and I wanted to give it a whirl so that I could, you know, share my personal experience. Maggie, Jen, and I met David in Wyzetta, right? It's Wyzetta. At the Wood Rill Scientific and Natural Area. And there was something that you had said about that specific venue. Do you remember what it was about the trees or why you chose that area? Yeah, the state DNR, the Department of Natural Resources, has a lot of properties around the state that they use for scientific research. That's why it's called a SNA, a scientific and natural area. And they are usually unimproved, meaning there's no bathrooms or visitor centers or things like that there. David told me that back in the 1800s, Wood Rill was saved from development because it was so hilly and had lots of ravines and crazy topography, which made it too hard to farm or clear. So they left it alone. Eventually the DNR acquired it and it's been protected because it has some of the oldest trees still in the metro area, old growth forests, which means very high canopy. The leaves are very high up there because the trees have grown for a long time. And there's usually lots of older trees that have fallen down and are contributing to the health of the forest by disintegrating and feeding other kinds of creatures. This particular woods is a maple woods, so it's very shady and not a lot of undergrowth happens at the forest floor level. So it's very open. You can see far through the trees. When I went in there for the first time, I was just awestruck. It was so beautiful and striking just the way the land moves and the trees and the light So I knew right away I had to host walks in there because if I was inspired, I'm sure other people hopefully would. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's really pretty back there. So before we headed into the forest, David gave us an overview of what we would be experiencing, heads up, you know, just so you know what you're getting into, but also shared some of the studies behind forest bathing and how it benefits our health. Can you tell us more about that and kind of the history behind Shinrin-yoku? 
I'll start with kind of the background. Shinrin-yoku started in Japan in the early 80s. There was some scientists that were doing some research on forests and stress relief. But before I go down that road, I just want to pause and say that I think that it started much longer ago than that because in Japan, their native religion is Shinto, Shintoism. That religion focuses on seeing different kinds of gods in natural environments. So there's a god in that rock over there, or this waterfall, or this tree. Each of the gods represents a different thing. You go to this god and this shrine that is built for this god to pray for a good marriage, or you pray for a successful career, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's shrines all over the country to these kami gods, Kami, K-A-M-I, is the name of the gods in the different nature elements. These shrines are built usually in a natural area, in the woods. And so you go through all these different trails to find the shrines. It's very beautiful. That's ancient. So in my mind, I don't have any hard and fast proof, but it just intuitively makes sense that in a country who their religion is based around this, that they would gravitate towards something that would be a healthy benefit to themselves later on makes sense to me. So as David tells me, in the early 80s, Japan had an epidemic of suicides and intense worker stress. They even coined a word for death from overwork, karoshi. When when your culture has a word for death from overwork, you might think it's a problem. I'm surprised we don't have one yet here in the United States, but the researchers thought, gosh, is there any way we can help our fellow countrymen by doing some of this research and connecting people outside? So they did this research, one of the first studies that was done, and it's been repeated multiple times to the same result. People were encouraged to do a 20-minute walk. One group in the forest, one group in a tree-lined neighborhood, one group in a city, kind of central business district. And then they measured each person's stress hormone, cortisol, and each person's blood pressure before and after the walk. The people who walked in the city and in the tree-lined neighborhood, they had no change. The people who walked in the forest, their blood pressure and their stress hormone dropped by almost 20%, 17%, 16%, something like that. And this result was consistent, yeah, every time they did it. So they thought, gosh, there's something here, let's dig into this. And so they started getting more and more research and more and more funding. But it took still about 20 years for all that research to kind of come to fruition. And it was only in the early 2000s where there was enough solid data that could be published into some papers that really reinforced this. And that's when forest bathing took off globally. In Japan, it's been extremely popular. There are almost 66, 67 national parks just for forest bathing. Oh my gosh. And in South Korea, it is similar. It's a very popular activity in South Korea as well, where there's also a large number of national parks for this activity. I don't think (laughs) I would be lucky to find uh, one here at all. Right. Although uh, I do have friends that work in the national parks and the forest service who are pushing this 
strongly oh. those high levels of government. So you never know, might, might still happen. And how did you find out about it? So I am a landscape architect. I have been practicing for about 20 years. I've always been a fan of Japan ever since I started back in school. And I've always liked a strong connection between inside and outside architecture and nature. I was lucky enough to go to Japan during school for a kind of a three-week study program, which was awesome. And what was fascinating in retrospect was that I didn't even know about forest bathing then, despite it having been out for a good 10 or 12 years at that point. And as a landscape architect, I found it even more interesting that we never heard about it. And we we studied Japan and it never kind of bubbled up. So that was fascinating to me that then, you know, another probably 10 years went by and then I finally heard about it. But I thought, huh, this is interesting. And the more I looked into it, the more I thought, this is really cool. And I started trying to tie it together in my design work, creating spaces that people could go to, to find peace, to find relaxation, to find meaning, designing these spaces, whether it was a rooftop deck on an apartment building that could give people a sense of calm or relaxation, or whether it was a corporate campus, school campus, trying to do those kinds of things. And that's how I discovered it. I struggled to get a really solid reception for these ideas in the firms I was working for at the time, but I knew it was important and I knew that it was relevant and I knew deep down that it would become big. And so three years ago, I quit corporate design and started my own company to promote these walks. And so I speak on it, I give walks, and for like you guys experience. So for individuals, for, you know, companies trying to get that corporate wellness and get them understanding how important this is to humanity. It's not just another trend. It is something that is ancient. It's deep in humanity's DNA. We evolved out in nature for hundreds of thousands of years. The industrial revolution hasn't even been 300 years. And we were out there for hundreds of thousands. (laughs) So that kind of feeling isn't going to be deleted in just 300 years. It's deep in there. It just needs to be rekindled. I wanted to tell you, I think it was the day after we finished our walk. I heard on the radio that NPR was going to do a segment on forest bathing. And I'm like, here here it is. The floodgates are open. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, once something hits, it hits hard and fast. I'm hopeful for you that because it was a really cool experience, I'm hopeful that it does catch on and uh, maybe you're going to see a big uptick in your numbers for these walks. Yeah, I hope so. That'd be great. I I just know it's on, it's nascent. So it's on the Vanguard right now. Yeah. It's like yoga was 30 years ago. Exactly. And now yoga is ubiquitous. You know, I read these studies and this research about the Global Wellness Institute is a great body of wellness people from all over the world. And they put out a lot of research and studies. And a lot of the studies they keep putting out are measuring 
the interest in wellness and they break it even down into categories and being outside is a key category in this kind of global wellness market. And it's a multi-billion dollar market and it's not going away. Yeah. Only going to increase. I'm hopeful. Yes. (laughs) Probably about a month ago, I got a grounding mat. Have you heard of that? I haven't done the mat. I've just put my feet on the earth. (laughs) Well, I got it more because I know in the winter, I'm not going to be able to, you know, touch my bare feet to the ground. And so I, I use it as my desk, my standing mat, but it's just stuff like that, that, you know, five years ago, I hadn't even heard of, nor did we have a wellness committee at work, you know, trying to help people find ways to stay well. And Mm -hmm. like you said, being outdoors is a big one. And that's something that almost everybody in the world discovered during this last year of pandemic, Mm -hmm. because for a long time, with lockdowns and everything else, the only thing people had to do was to go outside. That was the only place people were still allowed to go. So I think it, like I was saying before, it rekindled this interest in nature and being outside and people were noticing things they hadn't noticed and they were slowing down a little bit and they were thinking, wow, being outside is all right. So I take that as a kind of a blessing out of the pandemic that it kind of opened people's eyes globally to, Mm -hmm. wow, there's some important stuff out here. There was something else that you mentioned in your introduction. What the trees give off, we are kind of soaking into our skin. Mm -hmm. Trees have compounds called phytoncides, P-H-Y-T-O-N-C-I-D-E-S, phytoncides. These compounds are what the trees use to fight off invaders of their own, funguses or different kinds of things that might attack the tree. These are their kind of immune system, if you will. And when we are in the woods, we absorb these same compounds either through our skin, they're microscopic, so in our, through our skin or through breathing. If you absorb enough of them, you're out there for long enough, you boost your own immune system. They have the same effect on humans that they do for the tree. So some of the studies that were done were lengthy. So people were hiking, I think, or out for a weekend somewhere in the woods, and they were measuring three, four, five hours of time in the woods. And they found that after that amount of time, people's cancer-killing white blood cells, their natural killer cells, the amount in their body boosted by 46%. So almost doubled. Yeah, that's crazy. I know. And they stayed there, depending on each person's different physiology, for a week to a month afterward at that elevated rate. They were saying, you know, hey, this is great for your immune system, just being outside. It's free. You don't have to do nothing. Just go hike. The phytoncides are more present in conifers, evergreen trees, than they are in deciduous trees, but all trees have some. But if you really want a good boost, go sit in the evergreens. When you told us that tidbit, I was so sold. And I thought, why did we not hear anything about this during COVID when everyone (laughs) was worried about getting sick and trying to boost their immune system. And we did talk a little bit, or I heard a little bit about vitamin D supplements if you're not getting outside, but I've, I had never heard that before. Yeah. I did walks throughout COVID. I had, it had people wear masks even outside when it was in kind of the thick of it. 
But it was great because forest bathing was a naturally socially distanced activity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're out in the woods. You come together for gathering after each invitation, but there you can stay six, 10 feet apart if you want. That wasn't a problem for the walks. And then when people are out doing their invitations, they're off by themselves. Very safe in that regard. And it fed people. It was a little bit of social engagement, right? Because we were so stuck with our own people for so long. It was a nice kind of way to get out and interact with others. Mm-hmm. Plus, it was a way to get some sanity from, <laughs> from the forest. From the insanity. Right. Yeah, away from the insanity. So after you tell us to turn our phones off, this is going to be a quiet, no tech environment. So we walk on a trail for a few minutes till we were fully in the woods. And then you offered us an invitation. You've mentioned invitations a few times. So tell us about those invitations and what the intention is behind them. The walks themselves are very simple and intentionally so. My goal is not to unload a bunch of psychology on the guests. The kind of tenet that we are taught when we are trained as guides is the forest is the therapist, the guide just opens the door. Ultimately, I want everyone who's on a walk with me to take what they need from the woods. And everybody's got different needs. Not everybody's going to want something the same. And so the simpler the invitations are, the more open they are for people to get what they want out of them. Each invitation is just that. I'm inviting the people with the, on the walk to do a certain thing. As an invitation, if they don't like it or they don't feel compelled to do that, that's okay too. I'm just happy people are out in the woods and they can look off into the trees while the other people do it if they would like. And then each invitation is a different length of time. Then after each invitation, I call the group back together and we share what we noticed about that invitation. And again, If there's nothing you have to share or if you don't want to share, that's fine too. Everything is welcome. So we share what we noticed and then we go repeat, wash, rinse, repeat for the rest of the walk. I like the word invitation because it's like you can RSVP no if you you don't like it, right? right? First, it did feel a little bit like a meditation. So you, you're standing, your eyes closed, you're taking in the sounds, the smells, the touch, and then you open your eyes and take in the sights. And there's other invitations. For example, you find a tree that you're connected with on your walk and you see what comes up for you as you sit with it. You go out and explore and you know see how many things you can find. So there are parts of this outing where you're solo and you can really be alone with your thoughts. And then other times you come together to discuss that or not, if you choose not to accept the invite. And in every walk, the first two invitations and the last invitation or the closing ceremony, I should say, are the same. So you have a kind of a gateway in and a gateway out. So if you do more than one walk with me, you'll experience those three again and again, because like a ritual or like, I always go back to yoga. When you're in yoga, you have those kind of start, everybody's going to warm up poses. You get yourself warmed up. Then you do a bunch of different things and then you cool down. Same kind of philosophy. You're slowing down, you're calming yourself down with the first couple, and then you're kind of incorporating and, and moving out with the last one. But what's fun is all of the invitations in the middle of those, it depends. 
And that's where it's fun for people to repeat it. And for me as the guide, because I can draw from a wealth of different invitations depending on, is it sunny? Is it rainy? Am I by a lake? Am I in the woods? Do I have 50 people with me or do I have five people with me? What is the attitude of the group? Being able to read people's vibe, you know, are they introverted and quiet? Are they more bubbly and outgoing? All those kinds of different things I use to pull invitations for the group. And I'm always creating new ones too. There's oftentimes I'll make them up on the spot. If I see something that strikes me or the environment inspires me to do something, I'll I'll craft one up like that. But that's the fun part for me as the guide and hopefully for the guests that are walking as well is that they can see and notice things that they may not have otherwise. I love the constant reminders of slowing down in different ways. You know, you might not even say anything, but for example, in the very beginning, David reminded us to just be fully present when other people were talking. Listen, don't try to think about what you're going to say next. Sometimes you you need that reminder. You don't even think about it or you don't even realize that you're forming your next thought while someone else is talking, you know, so it's just stuff like that. Your turn will come and just relax. That's the whole point of this is to immerse yourself in nature and just breathe. You know, we're so tightly wound and wrapped up in the fast paced nature of being out in civilization. Yeah. With David, you'll spend a couple hours connecting with nature. You'll sit with your thoughts. You'll quiet your mind away from technology. It gave me an appreciation for the energy that nature provides. And it was an opportunity to let go. I did, you know, I every day I just come with a little bit of anxiety. It really did wash that stress and tension that I was feeling before away. You know, whenever I try something new, even going out to try forest bathing, I, my heart rate was high. (laughs) No, it's just like, I don't know what I'm getting into. And then you just sort of relax into it. It was a very peaceful process. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm glad to hear that. That stress you say is something that I just want to touch on because it is something that people don't realize. Our bodies, you may remember back to high school science or college science, the kind of fight or flight idea, the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. So our nervous systems are designed to do those couple things. So the fight or flight side of your nervous system, the sympathetic side says, I need to escape the saber toothed tiger or kill it, or it will kill me. It pumps a lot of adrenaline into your body and that cortisol and the stress hormone and everything ramps up so you can do what you need to do. After the threat has been neutralized, your body then switches to the parasympathetic side, also known as rest and digest, and you relax. You eat the saber-toothed tiger or you're just, I'm safe. What's happening to us in modern culture is that we're so full of stress all the time that we don't even realize it. It is now this almost like an IV drip of cortisol that's always in our system. It's a very low level drip, but it's always there. So our bodies weren't designed for this. They weren't designed to always be in fight or flight state. 
They were designed to use it, then go back to the relaxation state. They're not doing that in today's society. They're always on this low level of stress. And so the fascinating thing that happens is when you go into the woods, back to that kind of ancient DNA, right? We evolved out here. There's something about the woods that connects to your body and tells you this is okay. Let's relax out here. It has been shown to trigger that parasympathetic nervous system to kick in when you're on these slow, intentional forest walks. It also refocuses your attention. There's a called attention restoration theory. The Kaplan's at the University of Michigan did this study way back in the 80s as well. But the fractal shapes that are surrounding you in nature, so tree branches, lightning, those kinds of shapes that also mimic your circulatory system and your nervous system and the insides of your lungs, all those shapes are the same. Water is also a fractal shape. Fire is a fractal shape. That's why we can sit and look at water for a long time and not be bored or a campfire and not be bored. When you're in these fractal shape environments, your brain, again, goes back to that ancient connection, goes, oh, this is great. I really like this. I'm relaxed. Your brain also doesn't have to figure out any problems. It's not working on a problem to figure out. So it's just enjoying itself. It's not bored, but it's not turned off. So you're allowing that lizard brain, that emotional brain, and the logical brain all to realign themselves by looking and being surrounded by these fractal shapes. And when you come out of that experience, you are more relaxed, you're more focused, you're more efficient at whatever you do after that. They've done studies on students. They're better at tests and schoolwork after they do this. There's so many benefits of being out here, turning off all that stress, when we experience awe in a natural environment, it boosts our altruism. We're kinder to other people after experiencing awe hmm. than otherwise. I suppose that makes sense. You're in a better mood. You're just exactly exuding positivity. Mood. Very much so. I know you mentioned that you offer corporate wellness outings, which would be great for team building, but also you know a demo for employees on just maintaining a healthy lifestyle. It was great for me to do it with friends. You can sign up as an individual. So how can people connect with you? I am available at my website, which is Mott Studios, M-O-T-Z Studios, plural, dot com. I have background on forest bathing there. I have all the walks that I have available. I continually update those. And then I have contact information. So if you want to get a hold of me for a private group or a corporate thing, you can contact me that way. And I also have a little more detailed brochures I can send for corporate HR offerings. So I'll put up all your links to social media and your website and things on my site. Shinrin Yoku Forest Bathing. Try it out uh, with David. Take a walk in the woods with him. Find yourself in a meditative state. Find peace find relaxation, be one with nature, take a break from civilization. Anything else that you want to add? I would just say that people, even if they go and sit for 20 minutes in the morning with their cup of coffee in their backyard and look at all the things happening in their backyard, that helps too. We don't exist apart from nature, we are a part of nature. We <laughs> yeah. humans are alive and part of it too. And I think that's part of the trouble 
we think of ourselves as separate from, but we're not. And the more you can kind of slow yourself down, you really begin to see that connection. I really Uh, loved the forest bathing experience. I thought you were a fantastic guide and just your like you said, you were probably already in a state of awe. So you were exuding that positive vibe and, and relaxed. So, you know, you kind of mirror what you're seeing and experiencing. So I got that from you. I I would highly recommend it for first timers or someone that, you know, has already done it. Maybe you would experiencing something new. Thank you, David, for joining me. Thanks, Shannon. I appreciate you having me on and hope to see you in the woods again soon.